0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Judgment Call Podcast. As always, this is Miles, and I hope you all having a great day, great afternoon, uh, great night, whatever it is for you. Hope you're having a great day. Appreciate you for tuning in. And today's August 16th, and the only reason you should care is because tomorrow is August 17th, and that means that playoff basketball is back. We've been waiting since the season got canceled on March, whatever it was. Who really cares? It's five, six months ago now. But we're back, man. The NBA is back. We've gone through all the seeding games, playing tournament games yesterday, which, well, playing game, not tournament, playing game was yesterday, by the way. Incredible game. Shout out John Morant. He had a fantastic game. Shout out CJ McCollum. He was clutch. He has not showed up all bubble. Yesterday, he picked a great time to finally show that he is the right side kick for Dame. And while we're on the subject, shout out Dame. He didn't give him 60, didn't give him 50, but he had a fantastic game. He really, really, really clutched up on all the free throws since he wasn't getting the calls on running off the screens on Dylan Brooks. He was playing fantastic defense. And then shout out to Nurk, man. He had a 20 and 20 game. Well, I think it was like 23 and 21, but that's besides the point. A 20 20 game is a 20 20 game. Shout out to Nurk. Uh, prayers are for Bro, too. He lost his grandmother, I think, right before the game. She passed away. So prayers up for Bro. But. We are ready to get this joint started. I'm going to Eastern Conference playoff predictions today, only the first round. I'm going to do it so on and so forth for the Western Conference, too, but I'm going to do it round by round. So I'll have the Western Conference one out later today. I got some errands to run after I finish this joint up, but just know it's coming. But we're going to go ahead and get right into it. If you just look at all these matchups, uh, it has me more excited for next year, if I'm being honest with you, because inj- injuries have really taken a toll on the Eastern Conference more so than the Western Conference. Uh, if you just like look at these first round series, they're going to be pretty boring, if I'm going to be honest with you. Most of these are probably going to be sweeps or five. You got the 1v8 seed of Milwaukee versus Orlando, the 2v7 seed of Toronto versus Brooklyn, the 3v6 seed of Boston and Philly. And he got the four and a five seed of the Pacers versus the Heat. And if this were a 2021 with no injuries, we would be getting one of the best first rounds in recent history. We'd be getting KD and Kyrie versus the reigning champs. We'd be getting a healthy Benning and B versus Tatum and Brown, which I think will probably be the best series or the best first round series outside of probably a couple of those Western Conference matchups. But, I mean, let's get into what we got. There's no need to dwell on what we could have. Let's get into what we got. Let's start with the one seed. We got the Bucks versus the Magic. Uh, If this series is not a sweep, it is a major disappointment, major, major disappointment uh, because Milwaukee is just a better team. They got the better coach. They got the better star. They have the better role players. They have the better Robin, if you want to say that. And they got the better shooters. Uh, The defenses are super comparable, uh, however, in terms of length and production. But I honestly doubt it'll be the highest scoring series for either side, but probably won't eclipse 120 too much. Uh, But. Milwaukee's versatility will give them the edge easily. Uh, they have more ISO options when the threes aren't falling. Aren't falling because the Magic are really good at running people off the three-point line given their length. They can close out on threes really good. So even if the threes aren't falling, that got Giannis, they don't really have a guy that can stop Giannis. They got Middleton. If Middleton is hitting, he's pretty good money. They got Devin Chinzo off the bench. He can get a bucket on his own. So I think they just have way too many ISO opportunities when the offense is getting stagnant. Uh and then even when the buckets aren't falling, the ISO opportunities, especially with Giannis, will create pretty easy paint buckets or pretty easy open jump shots, uh, depending on who's out there on the court with them. But that won't happen vice versa. Uh, Milwaukee just protects the paint entirely too well. They force you to shoot too many threes and they force you to take a lot of tough tools. And Orlando is one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the NBA and in the bubble. So I'm pretty sure Milwaukee's going to sweep them. I honestly expect nothing less. And I actually expect more of the same in the next series which is the 2v7 series of the Raptors versus the Nets just like the Bucks series if the Raps don't handle business in four or five games is a major disappointment they're just better and I mean Karis LaVert is great go blue Michigan product the Nets role players play extremely well together and they could possibly steal a game if they got hot and were just shooting the lights out but Toronto should handle business the way they have all season uh, the way Toronto has shot in the bubble in all season, uh, they might just run him out the gym. Like, no games might even be close. Like, I, I say that they could still win if the Nets get hot and they're just shooting like out. Joe Harris, Karis LaVert, all these guys playing fantastic. But in the bubble, the Raptors are shooting ridiculous. Like, everybody's hot. Uh, Pascal struggled a bit efficiency wise, but he's been pretty good on the defensive end still, still knocking down his free throws. This is a great series for Pascal to find his rhythm before the next round. And Kyle Lowry, Favorite and have been playing some of the best basketball of their careers. Like this is, they are already in playoff form as they were last year. Both of them look really good on both ends of the ball, not just offensively. Uh, the entire team has been locked in defensively, even in that uh, little throwaway game that they had. And Stanley Johnson hit a game winner. The entire team is locked in. Like it's everybody. Like Stanley, I had to watch Stanley Johnson play in Detroit for like five years. He never did that. I don't know what. I don't know what they got going on up across the border, but. Coach Nurse really got something going. He's been coaching his ass off this entire playoff series. I got Toronto 24. I don't need to labor over that too long. Let's get to the next matchup where we have the 3C Celtics versus the 6C 76ers. And, man, I was so looking forward to this game. When we were going to the bubble, a healthy version of this game. Uh, But Simmons went out. He's got knee surgery. And then Bing is dinged up. Twice, Uh he went out in the Portland game in the first quarter for an ankle injury, and then I think he injured his wrist um, in the game after that, where he tried to come back and play. He was holding his wrist all game, or at least as long as he played. But now, now that nB is hurt, Simmons is out. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think too hard on this series. Honestly, this is probably going to be a five game series. Uh, probably a sweep, but a gentleman sweep ain't is just as good. Uh, the amount of effort and B would have to exert to even will them to make this series like mad competitive make it like a six game series it's not honestly worth it at all they probably won't go too deep in the playoffs they probably know that Uh, i don't know if this is going to be brett brown's last season there if they're going to give him another chance because of all the injuries that they've had but not really worth it he's injured Uh, it's only been like uh, 24 hours since he injured his wrist and another 48 since he injured that ankle to be 72 hours since then when the game starts it's honestly not worth it. Uh, they, when this team is clicking, though, they're pretty good. Let's say Embiid doesn't decide to play, and Brett Brown sits them and they just let everybody else go out there. This team, when they're clicking and when they're playing together, they're really good. Um, that Portland game, when they were losing when Embiid got hurt, and they came back and were winning, and Dame had to have a fantastic fourth quarter performance. When this team is on one, they on one. I think they could steal a game because they, when they're when they're on, they're shooting lights out. They play some fantastic defense. Their rotations are great. They close out on literally everything. They have some fantastic length. Uh, Tobias Harris, when he gets hot, he is a mid-range machine. And the straightaway from Al Horford is always good money. Uh, if Josh Richardson can knock down a couple of threes, I for sure could see him winning at least one game. But do I think it would be uh, like mad competitive? The games, maybe. But the series, absolutely not. Uh, give me Boston in five. But this team is competitive. I think their health will be a factor time. Hopefully Philly can get it together and hopefully they can keep Embiid and Simmons together. I really want to see them healthy and see them make a deep playoff run. But regardless, for Boston their wings have just been playing too good. They've been getting better with each game and not to mention that Marcus Smart has been playing absolutely fantastic in the bubble on the defensive end. He's not, you know, that incredibly offensive skilled even though he's been knocking down his threes. He's really good for them. Everything he does for them. All the nitty gritty stuff that he does for them. He's a better version of Patrick Beverly, honestly. He's a Patrick Beverly that don't just run around and do nothing. He's pretty good at basketball. Shout out Marcus Smart. But I think they should make it out this round pretty comfortably. And that'll move us on to the last game of the Eastern Conference first round, which is the four seed Pacers versus the five seed Heat. And this is probably what I'm looking forward to the most. Uh, Not only because all the other matchups are boring and they suck, but because I'm trying to see what TJ Warren versus Jimmy Butler is talking about. I want to see what the matchup is talking about. I'm paying super close attention to this, given their history. Uh, if you don't know, they had a little bit of beef the last time they played before the season got canceled. And Jimmy Butler was telling TJ Warren, or he was telling the reporters about TJ Warren. That TJ Warren was not even in his effort league. And then when we got to the bubble, TJ Warren became the greatest scorer of all time for some reason. He's the second leading scorer in the bubble. He's averaging 31 points per game on 58% from the field and 52% from three. On 89% from the free throw line, he's almost 50-50-90. That is just absurd. Uh, getting Depot back for the bubble has been huge, and Broggi's defense has been absolutely huge. Their rotations are ridiculous. Like I'm talking about, this team was running Houston off. Houston was having a super hard time Harding out there. I don't know what I don't know what got into them, but having Depot back, he is really injured for this defense. It is absolutely huge. Uh, same for Miles Turner. He came up huge in that Rockies game for sure. Uh, he's been mad efficient as a scorer and a defender, but he's really got to be more aggressive because Bam will hold him on the boards. It will happen. He's got to be super aggressive against Bam. He's got to stay out of foul trouble, too. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Indiana is missing some two important death pieces. Uh, they are missing Lamb. I don't remember what his injury was, but I think it was similar to Sean Livingston's. Uh, his injury, when he, I don't remember what year it was, but when he was still with the Clippers. He broke everything in his leg. Or not broke, but he tore everything in his leg. He tore his ACL, MCL, all that. I think that's what happened to Jeremy Lamb. So he didn't even come to the bubble, but he thankfully uh, figured out how to walk again. Um, I think we got word of that in June is when he finally learned how to walk. So good for Jeremy Lamb. And they're also still missing DeMontis Sabonis. He's still sideline with his foot injury. I don't know how long he's going to be out. Hopefully they can get him back. Uh, I don't know if it'll be too late or not, but hopefully they can get him back for the playoffs. Uh, But He's still laboring with that. But that has forced Nate McMillan to use some extremely creative lineups and rotations, which is really impressive on his part. That's why I have him top three in coach of the year voting. But I'm not sure how sustainable it is, uh, which is why I've got Miami in five. It probably should be four. I think Miami can sweep them, but I'll give Indiana the benefit of the doubt and say that they could win a game. Uh, Miami took the season series 3-1, two of the games were in the bubble, two of the games were outside of the bubble, and for, it's pretty much been more of the same, the Pacers have never been 100% playing Miami, every single time they've had somebody missing, in the first two games they had Sabonis and Lamb, but Oladipo wasn't back yet, and they lost both of those, and in the third game they had Oladipo, but they didn't have Sabonis and Lamb, and they lost that game too, which was the most recent game in the bubble where TJ Warren didn't have a great game. Uh, it was really the only difference that people probably thought that the Pacers even had a chance was the fact that Bubba Warren, people thought that he was going to hoop. people thought that he was going to try and give Jimmy Butler 30. He did not He looked pretty regular in that game. And if TJ Warren isn't going to be on that tear this entire series, I don't see the Pacers winning more than one game. I don't even see them winning a game at all, honestly. Uh, but if he is, then the series I think could go six games, possibly seven if he's giving you 35 a night on 50% shooting, he still got Depot and Miles Turner out there in Prague and a bunch of solid role players that have been getting a lot of experience in the bubble. I think for sure they could push the series, but I'm not thinking that you're going to get a TJ Warren that's giving you 30 a night every game. So I'm still going to take Miami to move on. They're just too high right now, plus they're way healthier than everybody else. Uh, prayers up for Dare Jones Jr. too. Apparently, it was just a next train when he ran into that experience so he should be cool. I don't know how much they're going to play him in the series or if they'll even need him, but... He's been given some really, really solid minutes for Miami off the bench. So hopefully he could play. Uh, they've also had the best defense in the bubble, in my opinion, leading it. They're leading the league in three point percentage outside of the bubble. And I think they're top three inside of the bubble. Uh, they've been equally they have it equally as good, if not better coach. Shout out Spoke. He's also top three in my coach of the year voting. Um, and they're just way healthier. So the only possible downside to this team is having a lack of experience. But Spoh is the season coach, Jimmy's been here before. Uh, same for Iggy, Jay Crowder. Kelly Alenick's been here before with Boston. But it's up to these guys to be leaders. And show the show the young guys like Tyler Harrow, Duncan Robinson, Bam, Kendrick Nunn, not to get disturbed if the shots aren't falling early. Uh keep spirits high, really. And make sure everything is cool. Everything is kosher. And they should be good. I think that I, I really believe in Miami this year. So, let's see how far they can make it. Uh, But, however, since there are no fans, no playoff atmosphere, I think the young guys will adjust pretty fine, honestly. And this will probably be no different than any of the other bubble games. And I got Miami moving on to the second round in a competitive series. I don't think they'll roll over. But I don't think they're going to win too many games. Now, I got something for the Bulls fans today. So, if you didn't know, the Chicago Bulls for the past – in a couple years. Let's see. Last time they were play, I was in the playoffs, like, what, 2015? So let's say since, like, 2016, they've been pretty mediocre. And it's honestly not their fault. Their front office was awful. Their head coach had no clue what he was doing. And the honestly, the Bulls deserve better because for a team to be in such a big market to be so relevant is awful. They don't get any big names at all. I think the last big name they got was Paul Gasol, if I'm remembering correctly. And then even when they do get talent on their team and they have stars, they trade them away. But honestly, I think that the era of the pitiful Chicago Bulls is over and you can thank Arturus Casanovas for that. That is the Bulls new vice president of basketball operations. Uh, He was the former Nuggets GM. If you've never heard of him before. And if you look at how the Nuggets are shaped up right now, uh, I'd be pretty happy if I was a Bulls fan. So you can thank Arturis for, one, firing Jim Boylan yesterday, which I'm pretty sure that all of, or at least all the Bulls fans that I know and all the people from Chicago that I know, very happy about that. And on top of that, he also got rid of Garpex. That is the guy who who's pretty much fixing the front office and the coaching situation for the Bulls. And the Bulls have honestly been pitiful for some reason. I don't I don't understand why. When Arturis got there, they only had one trainer. You know how wild that is for a team as big as Chicago that brings in as much money as Chicago, that has as many loyal fans as Chicago to not care that much about basketball? I, I think that's wild. I think Arturis is going to come in here and turn everything around the same way he did for Denver. And Honestly, I think things are going to go way, way up for the Bulls. This year was the year that I thought the Bulls were going to take a step towards being competitive. I thought they were gonna make a run for an A C this year. They didn't. If you watched a lot of bull games, uh, you'd see that Jim Boylan has absolutely no clue what he's doing. It, it was really bad. His rotations are awful. Uh, I can't even I think it was Daniel Gaffer one game. He got injured, and Jim Boylan decided not to call a timeout while Daniel Gaffer was on the ground writhing in pain. I think it was in like the fourth quarter, too. And they were losing like by 20, and he decided not to call a timeout and just left Gafford there, and the other team had to call a timeout in order for him to go get checked on. Uh it's just I'm I'm actually happy for you guys that Jim boylan is gone. And while I'm on the note of the Bulls, I think with the direction that uh Karnisovas is going in, or Karnisovas, uh excuse me, is going in, I think that the Bulls are lined up and in prime position to get a star within the near future. So months ago, this is months ago. This is before the season even started. Uh Actually, I think it was in the first week of the season because I know it's, I know it was in the first week of the season because it was when the Lakers offered Anthony Davis a $150 year extension and he declined it. And the first thing that immediately came to mind is I'm pretty sure that Anthony Davis, depending on how the Lakers fare this season, will not be in LA. That's one of the first things that came to mind. I said he could be. If they win a the championship, I think AD is going to stay. But if they don't, I think AD is going to look elsewhere. And I don't think he has to look farther than his hometown of Chicago. Uh, like people back then, they were like, I mean, it's, it's a far-fetched idea. Of course, Anthony Davis, of course, he want to stay with a team that's already a contender, but I mean, LeBron's 35, the rest of the team isn't fantastic. Who knows how many runs they could make out of finals, even if they did win this year, which leads me to believe that even if they did win this year, AD still might consider not resigning with the Lakers. But I think if he did leave LA, he would go to Chicago and he would sign there. And then this team would be absolutely fantastic. With the new front office, they wouldn't be trading their young guys. So they get to keep uh, Wendell, thankfully, hopefully. And Wendell's been, if you follow Wendell on Instagram, he's been saying that you're going to see a brand new Wendell next year. So we'll see what he has in his bag next year. Uh, You won't have to face facts with Zach Levine traded away yet. Hopefully I don't think Carnas Carnesovis is gonna trade away Zach Levine. So you get to keep him. He is a definite budding star. He's becoming one of the best shooting guards in the league. Laurie marking it after all the injuries he dealt with. And Jim Boylan honestly hurt him so much. Uh not giving him any touches. He cut his touches in half this year. If you've watched the Bulls games and he just hasn't been running the offense through Laurie marking. And a literal quote from Jim Boylan is if you want to touch the ball more, get the boys to go back up, that's corny. I don't even know why Bro would say that. But you get to keep Laurie Marking and then hopefully you get to get a coach that wants to feed Laurie in the ball. And then you, you finally have a point guard that's good. Like this is this is your best point guard since D. Rose. Kobe White. He's a hooper. Kobe White is a true hooper. Um, I didn't really know too much about the kid coming out of UNC. Like I watched him before, but I didn't know that he was this. He was good, but I didn't know that he was this. So you get to keep Kobe White. Now you got Kobe White, Laurie Mark, and Zach Levine, a possibility of getting AD, and Wendell Carter. This is, the Chicago Bulls might be back. I, I want them to be back. It sucks having a, such a big-name franchise to not be so good. And this is coming from a Pistons fan. It's from Detroit. I just, I don't like seeing good franchises be ruined by bad front offices. The same thing applied to Phoenix. So I really like Phoenix, but seeing them get destroyed by terrible front offices is terrible, and it's even worse where your team is storied as the Bulls. This is such a fantastic franchise. So hopefully y'all are back. And then even then, back on my AD theory, my other theory was that they get another star, and that star is Giannis. And it's not because of anything outside of me just living in this fantasy world. But Giannis also was on record saying that if the Bucks underperform, then he would; it would be hard for him to consider even re-signing here. And I think he's a free agent in 2021. This is his last year on contract. They do have the ability to offer him a Supermax since he's probably going to win the MVP, probably be on uh, first team on defense, first team on NBA, all that good stuff. But Giannis doesn't care about the money. Giannis has never cared about the money. Giannis wants to play basketball, and Giannis wants to win. That's why he's been on record saying that he's been disappointed with the franchise. And, and he didn't say it like that. The first time it ever even came up was in an interview two years ago. And he was saying that I don't even want to talk about my MVP. I don't want to talk about winning anything because we haven't been out the second round. So that was two years ago. Then last year when they lost to the Raptors in that comeback fashion because of what Kawhi and Fred VanVleet did, he was like, man, I've really got to refine my game because we can't keep losing like this. And then at the beginning of this this season, when asked if he was going to re-sign with the Bucks. He did not say yes. He said, uh, I'll have to think about it. And if we're underperforming, it'll make it hard to stay here. So everything that Giannis is saying, it sounds like that if the Bucs aren't going to the finals, Giannis is not staying. He has no intentions of staying at all. And in my estimation, I don't think that the Bucs will get to the finals. And I think they have a very strong chance of not even getting to the conference finals this year because they have to face Miami in the second round. And if you know anything about the season series between Miami and Giannis and what the Bucks got going on, Miami has their number. And I think if anybody's going to put him out in the second round, it's going to be Miami. So he's probably going to be be a free agent in 2021. And if anybody's going to have the cap space, it'll be Chicago. And especially with this front office, they'll make the cap space for Giannis to have Giannis, AD, Kobe White, Laurie Markkinen, and maybe still hold on to Zach Levine Hey. Chicago. Um, this is all just hypotheticals. I'm just running through scenarios, but it all sounds good. Uh, hopefully, Chicago can make some shape, and the East can get uh, a whole lot more interesting. Because if that happens, then the East is loaded, top to bottom. They'll have KD, eighty, Giannis. Well, they'll still have Giannis, but they'll have Kyrie and a whole bunch of other fantastic players. Ben Simmons, Joel B, whatever the Celtics develop into. I think it'll be fantastic. But that's all I got. Shout out to y'all. Shout out to all my Chicagoans. Shout out to all my Bulls fans. But that's it. That's all I got for y'all today. Uh, the Western Conference version of this will be up later. I got some stuff to take care of real quick. I got some errands to run, but it'll be out today. It'll be out before the game starts. But I appreciate y'all for tuning in. If y'all made it this far, appreciate each and every one of you. As always, this has been Miles, and this is it for the Judgment Call Podcast. I will catch y'all later today. Peace out.